Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these students. Tonight, let them realize the price you paid. We do not belong to ourselves, so let us honor you with our bodies. And I ask that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. High five your neighbor on your way to your seat. High five your neighbor on the way to your seat. Before we dive into this, I want you all to remain calm and just relax. So this is what I need you to do. Take a deep breath in. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it real good. Take a deep breath out. Out through your nose, not through your mouth. Some of y'all know why. Take one more big deep breath in. Take one more out. Look at your neighbor. Just say, relax. Relax. We're going to be all right. It's going to be cool. It's going to be a cool night. Somebody say free. Come on, somebody else say free. We want you to go from fantasy to freedom. So I want you to take good good notes. I'm asking you to take good notes because this is not to embarrass you or to shame you. This is so God can set you free. In fact, my prayer is that you never see this word the same again. That anytime somebody says this word to you, that you begin to declare, prophesy, and speak over yourself freedom. That you're not addicted to pornography. You're not addicted to sexual sin. That you literally will experience freedom. That even when you talk to other people because of what God is going to do in your life, you're going to be able to see them come to freedom. My prayer is that your generation will be pornography free. Somebody shout free. This is something that God talks about clearly, and we want to approach it directly, but delicately, and in a biblical way. We want to talk about it in a way that's helpful and not hurtful. We want to talk about it in a way, again, that leads to freedom. Because if you haven't noticed, this is a full-blown attack of the enemy. Pastor Will, what do you mean? We live in a time where people are double-tapping what's destroying them. You literally are liking the things that are killing you. We live in a time where people are entertaining the things that's injuring them. People are trading truths for trends. People are searching for, sharing, and even sending their own self-destruction. We have a real issue and we need to talk about this. In fact, people in your time, in your current in your current society that you're growing up in, people are calling sexual exploitation empowerment. We have an issue. We're talking about this because we want you to pursue purity at 15 so you don't have to live bound at 25. Amen? Because it only takes you seconds to see it but years to forget it. I told the team this earlier uh, in pre-service meeting. I told them I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, what took you year, what took you seconds to be addicted to is going to take you seconds to be healed from. Because God wants to see your generation set free. Somebody say free. Not only that, we have to teach you because this what was just a curious click has turned into a crippling addiction. And what was supposed to be a one time thing has turned into a cycle of shame and condemnation. We have to teach about this because most of us didn't learn about sex at school. You didn't learn about it at home and you didn't learn about it at church. Most of what we have learned about sex is that it's bad. You is that it's bad. You don't talk about it and you shouldn't do it until you get married. That's all we've ever heard about sex. More so, most of us didn't learn about it from trusted sources or hear about it until after you had an experience. So now your generation is doing their own research. You're learning about it from the Internet. You're learning about it from your friends who are not experts. You're believing the lie that what you heard first is true. Let me tell you, that's simply not true. And if you don't believe this applies to you, let me read some startling statistics to you that shows me why your generation needs to know about this. Between 50 to 60 percent of teens view pornography on a regular basis. That means half the room, whichever side you want to pick, looks at pornography on a regular basis. These are your friends. These are your peers. This is your siblings. This is your cousins. This is your family. 50 percent, 50 to 60 percent. 
Here's another one. One in five mobile searches are for pornography. 30% of the Internet is pornography. The average age of exposure to pornography is 11 years old. That means as soon as you get into middle school, you've already experienced it. And guess what? That number is getting lower and lower. That means 9 and 10-year-olds are getting exposed to this. 50% of students will have a sexual encounter before they graduate. 50%. And here's the one that got me. The number one day of porn use is Sunday. Isn't it just like Satan to take the God's day? To take God's day and use it as a means to destroy a generation, to destroy lives because he wants you bound. But somebody say free. Why am I sharing this? Because you aren't even looking for it and it's finding you. And even if you don't struggle with it, which is great, these stats reveal if you don't struggle with it, you will struggle with it. You'll meet somebody that struggles with it or you you already know somebody who struggles with it. We need to talk about this. We need to talk about it because we want we don't want to leave you to figure this out on your own. We don't want to leave you with questions, questions that you feel you can't ask your parents. Questions that you think that you even feel too ashamed to even ask questions that are real, they're personal, they're sensitive. And these are questions that you feel you can't even ask God. Questions that just seem embarrassing. And we don't want you to end up with secrets, frustration and pain from things that you saw, things that you heard, things that you've experienced. And because nobody had the gall to address this from a biblical perspective, from the word of God, the enemy has now used shame and condemnation to keep you bound by something that Jesus already died for. But it's time for you to be free. Somebody say free. Come on, somebody else say free. The first step in being pornography free is realizing porn is never free. I don't care what that website tells you. I don't care what your friends tell you. It will cost you something. It will cost you your joy. It will cost you your sanity. It will cost you your confidence. It will cost you relationships. It will cost you something. And what we want to do is we want to help you keep from giving your virginity to people you don't plan on giving your vows to. We want to help you keep from giving your body to people you don't plan on ever giving your heart to. Because the only hands that should hold your heart should have holes in them. What we want to do is we want to help you that you shouldn't plan on having sex with anyone you don't plan on spending the rest of your life with. Well, Pastor Will, we're going to get married. You're not married yet. Somebody say free. And if we don't address this, we will continue to let the devil define what he did not design. Point number one, please write this down. Sex is good because it's God's idea. Sex is good because it's God's idea. Pastor Will, this is crazy. It's so quiet in here. I've never really been in a service like this. I need some Bible. What do you mean? Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it says this. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. God didn't say go plant gardens and learn math. That's not what he was talking about in that verse. He didn't say go dig up a garden and learn arithmetic. No, he said be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. God was trying to tell them, I gave you sex. And I didn't give it, I didn't give it to you for you to do with it what you wanted. I gave it to you for my intentions. I gave it to you for my purpose. I gave it to you for my plans. And those instructions are later found in, in Scripture. Verses 21 and 22 of Genesis chapter 2, it says this. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the place of flesh. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. Somebody say brought. Come on, somebody else say brought. God was so intentional that after he had made them, he brought them to each other. Pastor Will, what are you saying? He didn't give them options. 
He didn't give them options. It was male and female. Pastor Will, what are you saying? When God made Eve and presented her back to Adam, he did not say, Adam, here's Eve and Steve. You pick. Do you like what I made for you? Which one do you like? That's not what he did. And listen to me. For those of you that are in the room, this is not me being insensitive. So please hear what I'm about to say carefully. If you don't like the way that God made us, you don't have a problem with me. You don't have a problem with church. You don't have a problem with Christians. You don't have a problem with creation. You have a problem with God's commands. If God made us this way, male and female, you don't have a problem with the church. You have a problem with God's word. And all I'm saying to you tonight is I'm an advocate for God's word. That's why I don't get offended when people say, oh, you don't like people who struggle with same-sex attraction. That's not true. I love everybody. I love all people. Well, Pastor Will, Jesus wouldn't talk to people that way. He would love us. He would love us just the way that we are. You're right. He would love us. He does love you. But he doesn't, he doesn't save you for you to stay the same. He saves you to change you. Pastor Will, what do you mean by this? You need to understand, don't confuse love with agreement. I'm going to say that again. Do not confuse love with agreement. In fact, I'll say this. Love is more synonymous with discipline than it is agreement. Pastor Will, I need scripture for that. God chastises those whom he loves. He disciplines those whom he loves. He corrects those whom he loves. He gives truth to those whom he loves. He loves you too much to let you stay the same. But I, don't, I just don't think Jesus would ever talk to us like this. Oh, yes, he would. I got some Bible for that, too. Matthew 19, verses 4 through 6. Haven't you heard? I feel like Jesus got real ghetto right here. Haven't you heard? He replied that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, a man will a man will leave his father and his mother. A man will leave a father, a man and his mother, a woman. And then he will be joined to his wife and they will become one flesh so that they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Pastor Will, what does that mean? Other translations say this. What God put together, don't let man separate it. I'll say it this way. What God put together, don't let government government separate. God orchestrated this. You're not mad at me. You're not mad at Christians. You, you're, you're, your offense, what you feel is towards God's word, but he loves you too much to let you stay this way. And all I want to tell you is that God is coming for everything we're holding on to. Not because he's trying to punish us, because he's trying to protect you. Because he has something better for you. Because he wants to set us free. This is what happens when we let our identity be shaped by our sexuality, which is dangerous. We let it become an idol. And that is, what, that is what's happening in America. We're allowing sexuality to become an, an idol in our lives. And in today's culture, you can be pan, tran, or other than. They don't care. All they want is to project sexuality, that your identity is so wrapped up in what you think you prefer. I'll say it this way. Five-year-olds don't know what's good for them. Because if that kid wakes up and says, oh, I just want candy for my, my, my diet. That's all I want. That's all I want. That kid won't have teeth. It's the same for us. You don't know what you need. That's why you need guidance. That's why God is giving you parents and pastors and churches to teach you biblical doctrine in a way that you can apply it to your life and help change the world. Somebody say free. Point number two, this is why I'm telling you this, because there should be nothing so sacred to you that you're unwilling to sacrifice it if it causes you to sin. 
Pastor Will, that's deep. I know I'm, I'm going to say it again because it needs to it needs to sink in. There should be nothing so sacred to you that you're unwilling to sacrifice it if it causes you to sin. But Pastor Will, I can't attra- I can't I can't help who I'm attracted to. God, I can't help who I'm attracted to. I'm attracted to them. I like them. Listen to me. God, God knows. God knows. In fact, I believe God says this when you say I'm attracted to them. I believe God. This is what God says. I know I make beautiful things. I made them look that way on purpose. Everything I make is good. But what I'm trying to teach you is this. You can acknowledge beauty without acting on it. You can acknowledge something or someone is beautiful without acting on it. Attraction isn't sin, but the action to that attraction can lead to sin. If everybody in this room acted on everything we were attracted to, we would be in trouble. We would have a problem. Somebody say free. Sex is good because it's God's idea, but it is not your identity. Sex is good because it's God's idea, but it is not your identity. And there should be nothing so sacred to you that you're unwilling to sacrifice it if it will lead you to sin. And we need you to realize this, that talking about sex will not create curiosity because you're already curious. If we're just going to be real, you're already curious. Talking about sex will not cause people to stumble. In fact, it will cause people to be set free. And talking about sex will not make God mad. It will make Satan mad. We need to talk about this. We need to address this. First Thessalonians chapter four, verses three through five says God's will for you is to be holy. Somebody say holy. What does that mean? Sacred, consecrated, set apart, pure, sanctified. So stay away from all sexual sin or sexual immorality. Then each of you will control their own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passions like those who do not know God and his ways. Pastor Will, what is sexual immorality? I'm glad you asked. It is defined as this, exchanging or selling of something valuable for cheap. Exchanging or selling of something valuable for cheap. That's where sexual immorality, there's a Greek word in there. I know we're getting real deep. It's called pornonia. That's where we get the English words pornography or porn. See, you thought I was just talking about websites. No, I'm talking about sexual immorality. I'm talking about all of it. I'm talking about the lust that you commit in your heart when you look at somebody inappropriately. I'm not just talking about the websites or the news that you see. And yeah, I know about them. Not even the ones that you receive and you don't tell anybody. Not even the secret Instagram accounts that you have and the people you follow, you know you have no business following. The music videos you watch. We got to talk about it. That is why we that's why we call this message pornography, because we want you to flee from and to be free from sexual immorality, to stop selling or exchanging something so valuable, to stop selling off something so pure and precious and realize that God is trusting you with one of the greatest things to steward your purity. For you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Your body does not belong to you. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you and who God gave to you. That's a good place to say amen. Pastor Will, what is purity? Purity is freedom from immorality. Purity is the pursuit of God. Purity is not sinless. It's not perfection. Purity is to be self-controlled. It's not for you to be perfect. None of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. It's for us to be it's for us to be self-controlled, for us to be progressing, to get better at this Christian lifestyle. So I want you to write these down. Your purity is more important than your popularity. I don't care about your body count. That's stupid. 
you sh- you you can say amen because that's true. I don't care about body counts. That's that's murderers care about body counts. That's just really weird. Like y'all out here is hitting me and like I got that one and that one and that one. Yeah, and you got something else that you can't get rid of. Body counts are stupid. It's funny, but you know that's somebody's shame. Your purity is more important than your popularity. Number two, I got another one for you. Your purity is more important than your pleasure. Pastor Will, it feels good. A lot of pastors get shamed for saying stuff like this. But I think it needs to be said to your generation because we've been holding off on truth too long. Your purity is more important than your pleasure because hell doesn't feel good. This sin will keep you from heaven. Pastor Will, what do you mean? There's a verse in the Bible that says if your eyes cause you to sin, gouge them out. And if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to go into the kingdom of God maimed than it is for you to go into it. Then go into the not be able to make it at all. That's the whole premise of the, of the verse. I want you to be free. Number three, your soul is more important than your satisfaction. Because here's the thing about trying to trying to meet appetites. You'll be hungry again. This thing is never satisfied. Lastly, God's plan for you is purity. Somebody say free. Sex is not a hidden subject in the Bible. In fact, nearly every book in the Bible mentions it. If you don't believe me, read your Bible. Y'all be watching Netflix. And I know I know some of y'all are real like y'all. Your your addiction so bad. You look for TV shows that have the initials M.A. You're like, oh, this is a good one. Some of you are you have such a problem that you've watched TV shows with your friends and you know you want to live a different life. You want to live a pure life. And even when it comes on, you're so afraid of being embarrassed that you don't even have the strength not to look away because you're worried about what your friends may say. Every book in the Bible talks about it nearly. And if you're not careful, you will let society tell you that your virginity is something to be embarrassed about. But you need to realize this. I'm going to give you a little bit more. Virginity is not even God's plan for you alone. Pastor Will, what do you mean? You can be a virgin and still be a pervert. Mm hmm. You're like, what? Yes, even you, because some of y'all, you ain't ne- you've never done anything physically, but your mind is dark. You can be a virgin and be a pervert. Pastor Will, what do you mean? God's plan for you is purity. And what we want you to know is that your purity is possible because freedom is available. Freedom's here for you tonight. And I get it. It's hard to stay committed to an invisible truth in a physical, sexually charged world that only shows us very real, visible temptations. I get it. It's in commercials, YouTube ads. It's everywhere, social media. It's in your DMs. It's a random person sending you something. You're like, I don't even know this person. And they're just sending it to you. I get it. It shows up in junk email. It's everywhere. But you don't but you deserve to know the truth about sex and not the perverted version our world has to offer. Today, you are overexposed and under inspected. Today, you are under challenged and overstimulated. Not anymore. Somebody say free because I'm honestly personally, I'm sick and tired of the world making sex look better the devil's way than making it look right God's way. And it's time for your generation to redeem one of the greatest gifts he ever gave us. Purity is not easy, but it's possible. Purity doesn't mean perfection. It means you have the power from this day forward to say no. Some of you, you just need that. You need to walk out of this room and say no. You just need to have a spirit of no. Can I have your no? What you, no. 
Just no. Everybody, right now, just say no. <laughs> it's not happenstance or coincidence that Satan would show up after God created the first relationship. Just think about it. Think about it. Adam and Eve, they were naked. They were naked outside. No bath time, just naked. In the presence of God, and God blessed them to have sex. Bro, like they didn't, they had nothing to worry about. And this is where perversion first enters humanity because it's Satan's intent to pervert what God says is good. In all actuality, Satan's the original pervert. And when you have perverted views and you make perverted comments, you're acting more like Satan. Pastor Will, give me some Bible for that. Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. The woman was convinced. I'm going to say this part right here because I want you to notice this. They don't even call Eve Adam's wife until after they, they, get, they get to know each other. This verse says, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. That's how some of y'all look at me. He looks delicious. And wanted its wisdom. And said it would be good. It would be it would be it would be good for her to give her wisdom. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it, too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame and their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together together to cover themselves. From the beginning, Satan has tried to make what God said was good and make it bad by perverting it because he hates sex. Here's why. Because it's a reminder of God's original plan and intentions for the earth. He hates it. He's like, you know what? I got to mess up God's plan. I got to jack this thing up. And that's what he that's when he introduced the idea of sin. Pastor Will, what sin? You need this definition. Trying to meet a God given desire outside of God's intended design. That's all that sin is. Trying to meet a God given desire outside of God's intended design. But you need to know this as well. Sin isn't nearly as pleasurable as purpose. It doesn't come close. Sin overpromises and underdelivers every time. Your sin may be in private, but it's never personal. Your sin will always affect people. It always affects people. It doesn't affect my friends, Pastor Will. We sin together. It's affecting your children. Your sin is never personal. It always affects people. Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Number three, sin perverts your view of sex and distorts your view of self. It perverts everything. But specifically in sexual sin, it perverts your view of self and and distorts your view of self. You can't even see yourself right. Adam and Eve were so wrapped up in sin that they literally thought we have to cover ourselves. We have to hide ourselves. We this was bad. We messed up. We got to fix this. So they were like, we're going to sew some fig leaves together. They just got created and she done figured out how to sew. Uh, It's just it was this whole problem. First clothing line. Figs are us. She was like, I got to, you know, I can't. It was figu, like fubu. It was just, <laughs> they was like, we, we just got to figure this out. Verses 8 and 9, the story continues. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid themselves from the Lord. Uh, they hid themselves Lord, uh, from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to them, called to the man and said, where are you? As if he didn't know. As if he was confused. Could you imagine God walking in the cool of the day? Feels real good. 
I picture God real big, like trees were getting in between his big toe and the other toe. And he was just like, you know, he's just chilling. Adam, where are you, son? Adam. I don't know. I just, you know, I, I can't, I wish I, I could make it like a deeper voice. He's just walking. Where are you? Number four, here's why I'm t- I read those verses. Sin gets its power in secret, but it loses it in sight. Sin gets its power. It gains its power in secret, but it loses it in sight. What am I saying? What lives in the dark dies in the light. Adam, where are you? Let me put my eyes on you. Let me see. I also heard the Holy Spirit say this during our time of prayer. God wants to redeem some of you young men's vision. Because the things you have been looking at have distorted your view of the future. And what he's saying is, what lives in the dark dies in the light. I want to fix those blinders that are on your eyes. God doesn't want us to conceal it. He wants us to reveal it. Why? Because hiding it won't heal it. This is one of those sins that hiding it will not heal you. And on the other side of your secret is your salvation. On the other side of your sin is your healing. You need this. Somebody say free. Eve and Adam were hiding, but they, God was saying, just let me put my eyes on you, son. Let me, let, me, let me try to fix this thing that because of Adam and Eve, Jesus' plan for, to save, salvate, to save mankind, mankind was put into motion. He's like, I, I got to fix this. I got to fix this. So we're going to shed some light on the darkness that you may be living in because your flesh will want things that your future does not need. Always. So you want me to actually say what I'm struggling with, Pastor Will? You want me to actually tell people what I'm struggling with? No, I don't want you to tell people. I do want you to tell God. And the only people I want you to tell are people that you trust. And here's why. Because there's a promise in the Bible that says if you confess your sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And if you confess your sins to one another, you will be healed. You need to learn to to live a life of confession because we are all called to a life of repentance. Salvation is not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing process. We need to continue to allow God to save us and touch areas of our lives. But Pastor Will, I haven't acted on anything. I'm just struggling. I'm just being tempted. I, I have these emotions. I have these feelings. I have these strong urges, but I haven't acted on anything. I'm glad you said that. Next thing, write this down. Struggling is not the same as sinning. Struggling is not the same as sinning. To struggle with is not the same as to submit to. Pastor Will, what do you mean? It's okay to struggle. It's okay to wrestle. It's okay to deal with something. Hebrews 4.15 says this. Jesus understands every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. Jesus struggled too. Jesus was tempted too, yet he did not sin. What does that tell me? That you have the full power and authority and blessing over your life to struggle, but not to submit to sin. He knows what it's like. Pastor Will, what is temptation? It's the temporary desire to do something wrong, unwise, or ahead of time. It is the temporary desire to do something wrong, unwise, or ahead of time. Temptation is temporary. It won't last that long. Temptation is not sin. It is a desire to sin. So when we break the word tempt down, it literally means time. It means a test of time. 
It won't last that long. That means God has put a time limit on how long the devil can tempt you. And the Bible's so good, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. When you are tempted, he won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And he will give you a way of escape. This has been real in my own life. In moments of my life where I've been tempted, and at these subtle moments where God, it's been a random phone call. Man, I'm glad that person called me. Looking at something too long and that you, you have no idea, God will save you from this. He will offer you a way of escape. Why? Because he knows what it's like to be tempted, and yet he did not do it, and he doesn't want you to do it. Somebody say free. So what can we do? Let me give you four practical steps real fast. Number one, guard our hearts. Guard our hearts. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, with all diligence, guard your heart. Notice it didn't say follow your heart. Guard your heart. Pastor Will, why do I have to guard my heart? Because if you follow your heart, it'll lead you down the wrong path. Guard your heart. Number two, guard our lives. Somebody say lives. Pastor Will, why did you say that one? Psalm 119.9, how does a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to the word of God. You keep your way pure by reading God's word. You guard your life by living by the word of life, by the thing that's going to continue to help you live a life of freedom. All I'm saying to you is if you struggle with sexual sin, read your Bible. It has all the information you need to live a sinless life. Pastor Will, what do you mean? There's a statistic that says if you read the Bible four times a week, just four, four times a week, if you struggle with pornography, your numbers drop down drastically. Read the Bible. Guard your heart. Guard your lives. Number three, guard your eyes. Guard your eyes. Pastor Will, how does that get practical? Some of you, most of most of you, you have a smartphone. Well, if social media is causing you to sin, delete it. Your Instagram account is more important than your soul? I find that real interesting. Delete social media. Go be brave enough to go tell your parents, hey, that Internet plan you got on my phone, I don't need it anymore. All I just need is to talk and text. And some of y'all know y'all smart because y'all got Wi-Fi. Tell your, tell your parents to put a lock on that Wi-Fi password. Pastor Will, I can't survive without Wi-Fi. That's cool. Get you a flip phone. I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. And I promise you, men, ladies, listen to me. If you come in here with a flip phone, ain't nobody going to roast you. And I, I, I wish somebody would. That flip phone still works real good as a rock. They pick at you about it, you throw it at them. And just don't worry about that. Guard your eyes. When they walk past you, don't you turn around. Your neck better stop at, at, at you know, 10 and 2. You just That's where you better go. It better not go past there. And don't pull one of these. Like I got to look, Pastor. Don't, don't do that. Guard your eyes. Number four, lastly, run. Somebody say run. Somebody shout run. Pastor Will, what do you mean? Yes, physically, run away. Come lay down with me. You better take off four flat. You better get out of that thing. You better be in track position. Some, we, Holly ain't going to be the only one that wins state. Y'all better, better just go. Y'all going to be like Barry Allen, 2.0 run. Let me tell you why you need to run. You need to run from sexual sin because you probably walked into temptation. It's a progression. Temptation doesn't all happen at once. You don't just immediately fall into sin. You walk, you tiptoe to it. 
you kept getting closer and closer to it. And this is the logic that you use. Jesus, how close can I get to sin before you tell me to back up? How close can I get to it? You need to run from it. You need to run away from it. 2 Timothy 2.22. This is a good verse for y'all to read. And it's easy, it's easy to remember. 2T222. 2, 2, 2, 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Run from temptations. Run. Some of y'all going to lose weight because you've been running your whole life. You'll be like, I ran all the way to a cold shower, Pastor Will. I just, I did. I was gone. It's time to run. It's interesting that even the Bible says, run the race of endurance that's set before you. Run towards the high calling, the upward call that God is calling you to. It's time to run. Here's why. Temptation is a, is a deception. It's not true because every because everything temptation promises you is a lie. Everything. Stop expecting temptation to look like something you don't like. You, we all expect that. Pastor Will, I don't struggle that much with temptation because it, it doesn't show up in the things that I like. It will always be the thing that you like. It will always be the thing that you enjoy. If you didn't want it, it wouldn't be temptation. Temptation is anything that promises you satisfaction at the cost of your obedience. Temptation is anything that promises you satisfaction at the cost of your obedience. Pastor Will, what, what, what does that mean? I don't, I don't understand. See, when the enemy tempts you, he doesn't show you how much it'll cost you. He doesn't show you that part. He doesn't show you the price tag. It's like going in the Gucci store and be like, you can have whatever you want. Price is not an option until you get to the counter. He never shows you the price tag. He always highlights the benefits. It sounds like he's meeting a need. Ah, oh, it's okay. You need this. This will help you. This will make you feel better. Be, start listening to that voice. You'll feel better after you do it. It's just one time. It doesn't have to happen again. Oh, here's the one. Nobody has to know. And he rushes you. Hurry up. Somebody's coming. Do it fast. I promise you the only thing harder than wish, only thing harder than waiting is wishing that you had. The only thing harder than waiting, young men and young ladies, is wishing that you had. Deception is when the devil says something is good and that it's better than God. And then temptation says, because it's good, as I said, you should do it. And here's what that same voice does. That same voice that said you should do it, it's not that bad. It's the same devil that later says this, I can't believe you did that. You should be ashamed of yourself. You're just like your mom. You're just like your dad. How dare you continue? How dare you even live? That same devil that urged you to do it is the same devil that condemned you for it. But listen to me and hear me very clearly. You are not your temptation. You are not your struggle and you are not your addiction. Somebody say free. Temptation is when you give up what you want most for what you want now. And the greatest temptation is to be satisfied by anything other than Jesus. And until Jesus is enough, nothing else will be. Until Jesus is all you need, nothing else will be. It'll never be enough. 
Lastly, every temptation is an invitation to trust God. Every temptation is an invitation to trust God. Pastor Will, what do you mean by that? The moment you feel that temptation, the same the same desire you have to sin is the same desire that Jesus is in the room. Say, choose me, don't choose that. Pick me this time, don't pick that. Because we got to get to the place to remember God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere all the time in every season. If he's everywhere all the time, even in those places that you think are secret, he's in there. He's watching you. He has his eyes on you. Why does he have his eyes on you? Because you're the apple of his eye. Because you're you're his most prized possession. Because he has special plans for this generation. And he wants you to be pornography free. Somebody say free. You should run for your life because your life depends on you. You can't sell or exchange something that doesn't belong to you. For you are not your own. You were bought with a price. You're not your own, Connor. You were bought with a price. You're not your own, Janae. You were bought with a price. Ella, you don't belong to you. You were bought with a price. Trenton, I don't care what you I don't care how much money you think you make at the trampoline park. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. I want everybody that can to stand up on your feet, please. I'm going to lead you into a salvation invitation. We got some more instructions for tonight. And the reason we did this is because we knew how this service was going to be. We knew we had a lot of content to cover because this is something that when you walk out the door, you're still going to have to deal with it. It's still a show back up. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're in this room, you say, Pastor Will, not only did I need this message, but I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to make a decision today right now in this moment I'm going to give everything I have everything I'm not everything I got I'm going to give my heart to Jesus if you're in this room you say Pastor Will this message was for me and I'm far from God if that's you I just want you to simply raise your hand if you need Jesus in your life if that's you I want you to raise your hand nobody else is looking around heads bowed eyes closed keep that hand up awesome awesome anybody else anybody else you can put your hands down I'm going to pray Psalm 51 over you. It's going to sound like I'm reading verses, but I'm going to pray this over you because these verses were written right after David committed a sexual sin. And David goes down to history as one of the greatest kings that ever lived. What's even cooler about this is that Jesus comes from the lineage of David. That tells me right there that even in your sin, even in your mess ups, it does not mess God's plan up for your life. That God will still use you and you can still be part of a kingly lineage. It says this, I want to pray this over you. Create in them a pure heart, O God. Purify their hearts, purify their minds, purify their thoughts. Make them faithful again. Renew in them a right spirit, Jesus. Don't chase them away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit away from them. Holy Spirit, continue to rest on them. Father, make them as happy as you did when you saved them the first time. Restore to them the joy of your salvation. Make them want to obey you. Make them want to read your word. Holy Spirit, remind them of the importance of your scriptures so that they can live a a pornography-free life. Father, teach them your word so that they will teach sinners your law.
so that they will live so that their lives will be louder than their lips that the greatest sermon they preach will be the character they represent i speak that over the people that raise their hand for salvation and father i ask that they return back to you in jesus name and everybody said amen Can you-